the Johnson and Johnson and the AstraZeneca vaccines. Uh, you heard what happened in the United States with Johnson and Johnson. Um, they pushed pause on using that vaccine because of concerns about blood clots. There have been six reported cases out of over seven million doses delivered. Um, AstraZeneca has had their own issues as well. Uh, we've seen in Europe and here in Canada where there were some questions and there was a pause put in and they've really sort of narrowed the age range that that vaccine is being offered to. Um, so just how big of a risk is it? And uh, let's try and get some perspective on it. Uh, Linda Dresser is an infectious disease expert and assistant professor at the University of Toronto. She joins us now to talk a bit more about this. Um, Dr. Dresser, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. How are you doing? Great, thank you. So, Canada has reported its first instance of these blood clots following uh, AstraZeneca vaccination. So, so we know there is a risk. There's no doubt. Uh, we've seen that reported. It, it seems to me like it's a very, very, very small risk. How would you categorize the risk level around Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca vaccines? So, I agree with you. I think it's a very, very small risk. It's a very rare occurrence that um, we are seeing blood clots with either the AstraZeneca or the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. But I don't want to minimize it either. I think that any time we see something that raises a signal like this, that it needs to be thoroughly investigated, it needs to be figured out, uh, needs to be explained, and uh, we need to be transparent about that. So I think we're trying to do a really good job with that. Um, and, I, and I think, though, that uh, we, we do want people to, to recognize that it's rare and that there are lots of things that we do that are associated with a rare risk. Nothing, no, no drug, no vaccine is without potential risk. Right. You know, I mean, when we talk about putting anything into our body, right? It doesn't really matter what it is. There is going to be a small risk to a certain group of the population if, you know, be it allergies or whatever else it may be, right? Exactly. Like even that cup of coffee you had this morning. Yeah, for some people, it could be it could be a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and you take a look at uh, I know the one that's getting a lot of attention this week is birth control, and uh, right. widely used by millions and millions of Canadians. And the risk of blood clots with birth control is actually much much higher than it is with either of these vaccines, right? Yeah. So if you think about it, maybe four in one million people so far we're seeing might get a, a blood clot from the vaccine. Whereas you think of birth control, it's more like 900 in 1 million women who take birth control uh, pills will develop a clot. I don't know if those numbers put anything into perspective for people, but that is one way of looking at it. What about the fact that, you know, also if you get COVID, (laughs) blood clots are a pretty common symptom? Blood clots are extremely common with COVID. Blood clots are are extremely common with lots of other things that put you into the hospital. Surgery, um, for example, but... You know, your risk of getting a blood clot with COVID is about eight to times what your your risk is in the general population of, of having a clot, and particularly those cerebral venous clots that we're hearing so much about. Why? I'm just wondering, because, you know, side effects and the risk factors that come with so many of the medications that we take seem to be much higher than they are with these two particular vaccines. So why why has this grabbed so much attention and caused federal governments to push pause and uh, Denmark has pulled it right off the table well they're using medications that come with much greater risks than this so we we've always accepted risk with medications and uh, we will ultimately I think accept the risk with this vaccine as well it's just everything's happening so fast and so new with COVID that anytime anything new appears, it seems to become a really, really, really big deal. And um, I think because it's global as well, 
when we see something, and the fact that we've seen it is evidence that the pharmacovigilance process works. This is a good thing that, mm-hmm. that has been recognized. This is really a good thing. It's it's such a bigger story than if it was just one thing in one country with one drug. Right. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that's part of part of the story, and I also think part of the story. Like I, I'm glad that that they decide to pause and take a look. I mean, if if we say it's only six six women out of over six million cases, but if you're one of those six women or the family one of those six women, you're probably pretty glad that they decided to pause it and take a look. Sure. Because we want to understand it and, and be able to explain it. What, what I what I think is interesting is, you know, Denmark decided to stop it. Denmark has a choice. You know, countries that have lots of different vaccines, they have a choice. So why not say, we're just not going to use that one. We're going to use the other ones that we have because we are a country with a choice. Other countries, so the UK, they've decided to, to make a cut point in who will get it at a mm-hmm. different point. Um, Canada's choosing under 55. The UK has said under 30. That's about choice and having options. And I think that's also something that maybe the, the public doesn't understand is that these aren't made just because there's a magic number or because there's some particular risk that we understand in a particular group. And it's, it's about choices as well. And what about if you are that one in a million who develops a blood clot? Um, we, we know what to look for and we know how to treat it, do we not? Yeah, I think that's one of the other things that's been great about the pharmacovigilance again is that it's been identified and now people know what to look for. And so I think part of the scary part when it was first being sort of identified is people didn't really know what they were seeing. So maybe it was delayed in the time that it took for the person to present to healthcare, might not have been diagnosed right away, maybe not managed the way we would manage it now. But if you get one of these vaccines and you're told, look out for these things, look out for shortness of breath, new persistent headaches, abdominal pain, swelling, um, then you, you know what to look for. You can go and it can be managed. And most of the time it's going to be managed effectively and the outcomes will not be um, life-altering as they have been in all these cases that we've seen. So ultimately, what's your prediction, uh, if we can get into the guessing game, in terms of what we'll see with AstraZeneca in Canada and Johnson & Johnson when it does arrive here? At this point, we're carrying on with it. Um, Health Canada right. seems to have assessed the risk and said it's still far, uh, the benefits far outweigh the risks. Yeah, so Health Canada has made their decision. Now we have to wait and see what the committee that makes the vaccine-specific recommendations um, says. And so we know when AstraZeneca first came out, Health Canada said one thing, and then the the NACI, that's the the committee, said something else and said that's when they said we aren't going to give it to people over the age of of 65. Mm -hmm. So I think we are still in a bit of a waiting game to see how NACI is going to react to uh, this information and whether they will say... We're going to continue with that recommendation of not for um, people under the age of 50. Maybe it'll change it to 55. Right. And again, I think that comes back to the fact that we have choices in Canada. We have other vaccines available to us. Maybe we can use some of the other vaccines more specifically in particular age groups and distribute them across all of our age population. But still, right now, the most important thing is for anyone that's offered a vaccine to take whichever one is offered to you because they are still safer than getting COVID. Exactly. Yeah, that's the message. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Dresser. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too.
That okay, is, bye now. Yeah, that's Dr. Uh, Linda Dresser joining us to talk a bit about this whole situation surrounding blood clots. Um, she's an infectious disease expert and an assistant professor at the University of Toronto.